going to be honest. When I say the Arsenal squad is manageable, I don't know if I'm saying that because I have to tell myself something to keep believing. I look at obvious players who are clearly part. D. D. Come back to the light. <laughs> He would just fade back in, and that is why I'm going to start supporting Tottenham. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Yeah. What? Which? Which? Where did I cut out? Oh, that. Did you, did you hear me or nothing? Nothing. Ah, oh, shit. You literally just faded away, bro. <laughs> I literally just... Oh, damn. Beautiful. Okay, so yeah, in terms of our transfers, I thought, given that there's three of us, if we start with Chelsea, yeah, then I thought we could look at Liverpool and then we can go in to talk about Arsenal. Um, wow. And, wow. Like, just, <laughs> you've got like three levels of financial might in there. So you've got Chelsea and Flexing. <laughs> You've got Liverpool are waiting for the deal that is right for them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Arsenal are probably just going to scramble for anything they can get through the door. <laughs> um, and then you can also weave in with Arsenal being broken, having no money, um, <laughs> having to rely on their youth. That's right. You're the thing. How you want to run it is how you want to run it. Well, if you say that, it's just going to be Arsenal from the top and why they're trash. <laughs> That's right. Um... Hey, the title, the title is going to be Why is Arsenal? That's it. Why does it even exist? Like, what is it? Like, why is it there? You know what's funny? I don't even like. I, I understand. I can understand if it was first round. I would get the beef. But like, it's just as a Liverpool fan, like we haven't even hurt you guys that much in the grand scheme of things. Talk about that in this show if you want, because I can explain why I've got an issue with Arsenal. Hey, that, 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 mm. that is absolutely fine. I look forward to that conversation. This is the origin story, guys. This is the, yeah, this, this is the origin story. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we find out why Ben has such a heart of ours. Okay, so you guys ready? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? It's starting is the worst bit. <laughs> Just like what you say. Okay. <clears throat> right. Okay, good evening everybody and welcome back to another Bandit Football uh, yeah. <coughs> Oh mate, I'm so I'm so glad because I needed to cough right. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to another Bandit Football Fans podcast. Thank you very much for joining us and for supporting the podcast. Um, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ben. I am a Liverpool fan and I will be the host for this evening. I have two very capable uh, people with me to talk through some topics. Uh, Dee, would you like to introduce yourself? I would like to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Dee. I can't know. My name is Dee. Um, I'm the Arsenal fan and resident punching bag because, you know, guys are just mean. But um, yeah, this is Dee uh, and I have you to Callum. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Callum. I'm a Chelsea fan. Uh, very happy to be here. Happy to do a, another episode of the podcast. 
Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Okay, so uh, we are going to start talking about transfers today, so transfers and youth policies, um, and the three teams that we have uh, supported tonight uh, by the three the three people on the podcast kind of represent, I think, different ways that clubs are going to have to combat the financial situation with uh, with COVID-19, um, and obviously the downfall to that. So we'll get into that um, and have a little bit of talk about that. Um, we will start with Chelsea uh, and with Callum. Um, and first of all, we'll start talking about uh, Timo Werner um, is an interesting thing. So basically with Chelsea, I think they're a club that's represented by they have money. Um, and with Zayat George in the bag and with Werner on the way and rumours of Havertz, it looks like they're, they're not afraid to spend it. Um, so first of all, there's two days until I think is it two days until the release clause goes up. Were you saying, Dee, with Werner? Um, yes, apparently it kicks in officially on Tuesday. So the so, the re- like the release clause is technically sixty four million, and if essentially oh the way release clause work is Chelsea need to trigger it before then. If not, essentially RB gets to choose the price. And I don't, I don't think they're going to let him go for cheap. Beautiful. So, Callum, first question: Are you worried? <laughs> worried about what, mate? <clears throat> Do you think that you as a club are going to get it over the line? Do you want him at your club, first of all? Do I want him at Chelsea Football Club? That's a good question. Um, I think, first of all, I think we need to get back to a level where the youngsters that we have, and we have a lot of them, um, have someone to look at who has been there and done it. And I know that Timo Werner hasn't been around for a long time, but he has played in the Champions League for quite a while and he's made an impact on both the club and international level for a few years. And I can't remember the exact number, but I remember seeing a crazy number of appearances given that he's only 24, if I'm incorrect. Um, for for club and country. So um, I think even though he's not the kind of, you know, like um, like the kind of player that Lampard was or maybe, you know, in our current squad, the kind of player that William or Pedro might be in, in the sense of um, their age and their vast experience, I think that it's for people like Hudson-Odoi and Reese James, who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, to see a player who's only a few years ahead of them but has been doing it on the big stages for a while, I think it's fair to say, I think that will make a difference to our team. Um, specifically in terms of what Timo brings to the to the game, what his style is, I think that's exactly what we need. We need someone who can finish and the guy is just clinical. Wherever he is around, in and around the box, you just see him bury the ball in the back of the net almost every time. Um, and I think that is exactly what our problem has been. Every single game from about, must have been about November or December onwards, our expected goals were two, three, sometimes four, and we were not scoring like consistently. Um, I know the stat, I, I don't know if it still holds to this day, but I know the stat at some point late on in the season, we were only second to Liverpool in chances created, but our goals scored, or our shot um, conversion, if you want to, 
put it that way, was shocking. I think we were like 19th in the Prem or something like that. Um, so I really think that Werner will bring that that kind of that proof that age doesn't matter, which I think you know the the much younger players will need, um, and the clinical finishing. Um, I think he brings versatility, which is something that I think um, Jurgen Klopp has really shown is valuable with the fact that Mane, Salah, Firmino, they can move all around. Um, and he, you know, he very strongly um, promotes the ability for all, for all his players to play basically anywhere on the pitch. Um, and I think that's what Frank Lampard is kind of trying to do. We have... We have Reese James, who's a right wing back, right back, but he also plays in central defensive midfield. You know, Loftus Cheek can play in a variety of positions. Mount can as well. So I think Werner just adds to that. Pulisic and Ziyech think add to that as well. Um, so I, yeah, I do want him at the club. Um, I've heard lots of rumours about why it's being delayed, um, but I'm 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 keeping like. I'd say quietly confident. Quiet. The WhatsApp conversation, the WhatsApp group chat might not suggest that, but <laughs> <laughs> all the uh, pictures, gifts, and bants flying around and that. But um, no, I am. I am like in all seriousness. I'm, I think I'm quietly confident or quietly hopeful, maybe that we can that we can sign sign such a good player for such good value. Which, on the whole, maybe Morata. I want to say Kepa, but you know, I think we have to let the future play out and see how he goes. Apart from those two players, or those one or two players, um, I think we've kind of like done quite a bit of shrewd business um, generally in the transfer window over the last kind of four or five years. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy, man, and I think um, I think yeah, if if he comes, it would just be just be good things for the squad, really. Cool, cool. So just to touch on his scoring record. Mm. So he's played now 123 games in the Bundesliga for RB Leipzig and he scored 75 goals in that time. Wow. So that is a little over one goal every other game. Which for, like you say, a young guy, 24, finding his way. Um, his scoring record wasn't as good for Stuttgart. He got 13 and 95 um, but then obviously he's playing for a slightly worse team, so less chances created, and as a younger player, even yeah. more. So like, I mean, I think he does bring goals, he does bring flexibility. Um, you guys have also been linked with a player, so Werner was another record for you. He was mm-hmm. the youngest player to reach 50, 100, 150, and 200 appearances in the Bundesliga. Jesus. However, the first two milestones were broken by a young German guy called Kai Havertz, who is also <laughs> <in Chelsea. laughs> Do you believe the rumours? Do you think you've got a chance of getting him? And realistically, if you've got Havertz and you've got Werner, what would that mean for you actually being able to get a team out? Because surely that's a lot of players in forward positions at the moment that you've got. Well, first and foremost, I think um, Rudiger needs a bonus. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think Agent Tony, he's been putting in the work, putting in those hours. I saw a tweet on um, I saw a tweet the other day that um, Rudiger's tweet to wish happy birthday to Kai Havertz got more retweets than Manchester City's title-winning tweet. I don't know if it's yes. true or not, but that was madness. I, like. 
if that is true, that's that's quite jokes actually. Um, no, in in all seriousness, I am I am literally split in two, man. I feel half is I feel like half of me is saying, is this not what we watch football for? To to see the the one one eight formation finally being played. <laughs> um, the other half of me is thinking. Do I really want to become Arsenal? And wow! That all things considered, that's a bit of a record. If you longer than I expected, you're all comfortable. <laughs> so thank you for your answer. <laughs> no, but mate, I, like all um, okay, putting opinions and like subjectivity aside, objectively, you would say that Arsenal, for a long period of time, have focused on attacking players, right? That's just kind of fact. Is oh yeah, that's fact. Do you yeah. do you know what I mean? So purely from that perspective, can I, can I slightly correct that actually? Mm. Because I disagree with that. I just think they've been terrible at buying defensive players. <laughs> okay. So when you look at some of the money that they spent, like Mustafi, um, Chambers was quite a lot for a young player. Never fulfilled it. Um, like they've got quite a lot of money spent on players, but <laughs> it just seems to be an afterthought. Like they haven't seem to put the groundwork into getting defenders that can actually work in the league. They just seem to just splash money on someone they can get their hands on. Mm. When, when we come to the Arsenal segment, I, I have thoughts on that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, maybe, I think, maybe the word after four is um, more... Um, <laughs> maybe. Oh no, don't backtrack now. You're already here. You don't need to backtrack. It's all good. Um, no, I, I basically for me, Chelsea has always been about a strong defense and building from there, right? Um, and I, I, it's like I, I feel strange. It, it feels strange having so many attacking options and the defense as an afterthought, which kind of it is right now. Like you can't be going for all of these attacking players and say that you're really thinking about defensive first and foremost. It, you can't. It's like. One doesn't go with the other, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, half of me is gassed. You, half of I, me is worried. Are you saying, like, are you saying, like, right now, you don't your defensive like setup or your defensive ability doesn't inspire you with confidence? No, I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is, relative to the offensive line, the defensive line is isn't being looked at with as much focus. Oh, look at you being a politician. Okay, I see. It's all good. Ben's taught me a few things. Ben has that effect. Ben has that effect. <laughs> um, did, did I answer the question, mate? I kind of got a bit carried away with... Um... Yeah, so you're, you're 50-50 down the line. I am. Um, right? In terms of whether you go for him. Um, are you happy in general to see you guys splash in the cash again? Oh, 100%. I think, um, you know, we've lived... I was about to say we've left, lived in destitute times, but um, I wouldn't quite say, I wouldn't quite say that any Premier League football club has has the uh, has the right to say that. Um, also, also, the reason why you guys have money is slightly because you weren't actually allowed to spend money. <laughs> yeah, true, true. That is that is obviously um, very true for one season or one summer. Um, but I think that the um, what's the word? The kind of ethos that the club has been carrying through for a good. A good length of time now has brought us to this position. 
Um, and I was I was listening um, I was listening to another journalist speaking about how Chelsea bringing in all these academy players is obviously great on the field, and you know the fans love it, and it's exciting, and you know you see homegrown players, etc., etc. Um, but off the field, the benefits that it provides is insane. Like Tammy Abraham, there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of uh, words in the press at the moment about his new contract. A lot of um, what's the word? Um, Basically, a lot of talk about whether he's going to sign his new contract and how much it exactly it will be for. But I heard a guy break it down um, in terms of the amount of money spent over the length of the contract. And if we sign Tammy Abraham on £180,000 a week, which a lot of people would be like, you know, that's his first big contract. That's insane amounts of money. When you compare that to a player that we were purchasing, that's the same as buying a £30 million player for seventy-five grand a week. That's the equivalent of um, in terms of the amount of money that it will cost the club over the length of his contract. Now, just to put that into perspective, Michi Batshuayi is currently, a th well, we bought him for £33 million and he's on ninety grand a week. And how many goals has he scored? Not very many. So when you put it like that, I think... But to be fair, who in Chelsea has scored that many goals recently? Oh, that, that's very true, mate. That's very, very true. Um, you know, injuries aside, if I, I'd like to think that Pulisic could have got more goals on the on the sheet um, if if he had been more fit and he had played. I think he proved that he was a goal threat in all of the games that he played. Um, but that, that has been our that has been our biggest problem, and I think that goes back to my very, very first point of why Timo coming in will be good for us because he is lethal. Like he will score those goals. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. Anyway. I think if you play him right, uh, I'm a little bit worried you might just shunt him out onto the left wing and I think he can do a job on the left wing, but I think centrally with permission to drift out left is his best. Mm. I, I see him as part of a front two with Tammy, to be honest. like That's the best way I think that you guys have a play in him. Mm -hmm. It's just how you then fit the rest of your team around it. And the problem is how, how many teams currently deal actually favour two people up front? Um, Basically, Burnley, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, teams do it in slightly different ways, but yeah, effectively, yeah. Um, really, um, Watford from time to time, RB Leipzig did. <laughs> um, they possibly sold Werner, so like, I mean, that's how he plays the best for RB Leipzig is when he's alongside uh, Schick or Paulson. And he's got that player to kind of keep defenders kind of like busy <coughs> and then he can work in the spaces in between and really get his pace involved. Yeah, you see, you seem to know a lot about Timo. Is, is it like, <laughs> how did that come about? Did you just like, you know, was it the Chelsea interest or was it before the Chelsea interest that you decided to like, you know, like really analyse this player? Um, I think the main thing is due to the fact that the only football that's been on my television for the last three or four weeks has been German Bundesliga. All right, so it, it has nothing to do with the fact that Liverpool at some point were linked to said player, no? So I was going to talk about this later on and I was going to do a <laughs> gentlemanly and politician in statements, you know, statements kind of like way. Um, All right. I, I, again, I'm 50-50 on Timo Werner. So he's been linked with us for a while. Yeah, I would have, I would have loved him. Like, I'm not going to lie. He's the kind of player. He's perfect. 24 years old. Great profile. Um, he does have that flexibility. He's obviously got great 
ability um, and he would add a cutting edge you know to any attack like he could fill in across our front line for us I think the main issue I've got is like I say I think he's better through the middle um, whether that's as you know kind of like as a, a second striker or as kind of like a false nine with permission to kind of like roam a little bit um, and that's where at Liverpool you run into an issue because we have Roberto Firmino and then we brought in uh, Minamino, who it seems to be getting kind of like built into that role. Um, so every time I've seen him, he's kind of been in that, that kind of thing. So we really need depth, but it's more on the wings we need the depth. And so, yes, I would have loved Werner. Yes, I'm gutted we didn't get him. We've been linked for him for a while. Like I have watched him with like half an eye on him. But my issue would be, are we buying him to slightly play him out of position? Hmm. And would we not have been getting the best for him? So I'm not gonna lie, I am slightly gutted that we didn't get him. But there are other options possibly available that might fill the role better. So for instance, I would be absolutely happy with Shakiri if he could just stay fit. Hmm. Like what he's shown in the games he's got on the pitch, he is a perfect backup for our wins. He can play either side. Um, he's a slightly different player to the other two that we've got. Um, he's a bit kind of stronger, a bit kind of like, well, he's a fucking cube that can run. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he adds, he would add a lot to the team. It's just that he's not on the pitch. Like, every time he's on the pitch, he seems to do a decent job. But it's about getting those players kind of in there. Um, is, is he likely to stay there? I think so. I We had a conversation, I don't know if you remember when he actually signed for us, where I was a bit unsure about it because when I watched him for Stoke, I was a bit worried about his form and whether, you know, as a as a backup player... So this is the thing. When you're a backup player for a front three like Liverpool, you are going to get game. You are not going to be first choice a lot of the time, but there will be options for you to play. You need to be there ready to play. And he's not been there. And I don't think that's his own fault. I think he's got had issues with... Um, I think it's muscular problems and, you know, you know, it happens with some players, you know, we've, every club has had a player where they haven't been able to play as much or as regularly as they want to do kind of thing. And players' careers have been ruined by muscular, you know, Michael Owen had it, like, if Michael Owen hadn't had the hamstring issue, like, mm. he could have been one of the best strikers ever, like, yeah. he was for two, three years, phenomenal, like, absolutely amazing. Um, and then, you know, we played him too much at too young an age and it kind of screwed him up. And like that, I think, is the issue with Shakiri. So unless there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's something that we don't know and there's a reason moving forward why he might be um, available more often, I think from the club's point of view, we need somebody who's fit and able to go the majority of the time. And I think from the player's point of view, he's kind of moving... I think it's about 28, 29, something like that. So he's at that point in his career where he wants to be playing and he probably wants to be at a club where he plays when he's fit and particularly with the issues he's got. You know, if we can't line up, you know, it's all well and good, like if he's suddenly fit, but he's not going to get into the team if Liverpool are playing Man United. Like, he's just not. If that's the match he's there for, if Liverpool play Chelsea or if Liverpool play Arsenal, like if it's Liverpool versus Stoke in the third round of the FA Cup, then maybe he gets a game there. Um, but I think he needs to be at a club where they're happy to play him when he's fit. We need a player who's fit 
when we need them to play. Hmm. So I would probably let him go this summer. I'd be sad. I think he had a lot of potential. He just didn't work out. One of those players, like just you know, ships in the night. I would have loved him to do well. Um, but I think we need someone in to replace him more than we need someone in to replace someone like Firmino with Minamino learning. We've got Rian Brewster as well. He's learning how to play the Firmino role. So, like, I don't really want to block Pico's route into the club. Hmm. Um, and on that note, if I bring it back to Chelsea, um, <laughs> just to finish shop with the Chelsea kind of thing. So, in the light of it, so... Chelsea, I remember being so jealous of Chelsea when the Bromwich came in and just started buying everybody up. You seem to be doing it in a more organised way this time. And so spending money on people like Pulisic, great signing. If you get Werner or Villain, that's a great signing. Um, Havertz, if you go for him, I think he'll be a great signing. You've, you know, someone like Kepa maybe hasn't worked out so well. Um, but are you a bit worried? So Lampard has promoted you. You've had a youth team that has been winning like everything for quite a while now. Are you a little bit concerned as a Chelsea fan that you're going to roll backwards a little bit and that youth might not come through in the same way? You you mean with the bringing in of all of this international talent? If you're moving back towards that, because mm. let's be honest, for a few years, Abramovich seems to have lost interest and it would look like it was due to his visa being... Um, denied his, his, you know, he went for another visa and whatever, and he got in a bit of huff about that. Mm. But now it seems like the purse strings are opening. Now, part of that is you sold players, um, so you've got a bit more money in the bank, perhaps. Um, but at the same time, it seems like you are, are doing a good job mm. of going out and buying young players, almost like you're copying Liverpool or something. But are you then worried <laughs> that it's then going to be denying a role to youth players coming through? Um, first and foremost, I think <clears throat> the the stuff with Abramovich, obviously, as we said, he you know he came in like a like a bloody train and just steamrolled the whole league and in, you know potentially in doing so the whole world of football just completely changed. Um, I think, for the record, I don't think that he has lost interest. Everything that comes from the club and everything around the club and you know journalists who follow it, I've never heard anything to suggest so. I really just think that it's it has been um how can I put this since since we won since we won the Champions League in 2012 apart from Hazard um again who was how much was Hazard for 37 million it's really like not a huge huge amount in the grand scheme of things I know he was young at the time when we bought him um but apart from him I'm I'm struggling to really think of huge investments, um, and I think for a long time now we've just been operating on a slightly different level. I think we've, you know, it could have been good management from the club, seeing the the financial um, or what's the way to put it, the, the austerity um, or the different measures that have been put in place worldwide, out i.e. outside of the game of football um, over the last kind of decade. Um, I don't know how much of that had an effect on it, but I do think that I, I don't know. I just feel it that we've that we've really managed it quite well, um, and I feel like in terms of on the pitch, it is a worry. Of course, it is a worry. You know, just on paper, if you bring players into your club, that means there's more players for the same number of positions. The number of positions doesn't change. 
So that is going to increase the um, the competition. But in in those words exactly, increasing the competition is a good thing. And I think um, if you ask Lampard if he would um, if he would like the choice of Hudson Odoi and um, and Ziyech for the right and Pulisic and Werner for the left, or no Werner and no no Ziyech and just Pulisic and Hudson Odoi, which one would he prefer? I'm fairly certain he would like the choice of of all of those four players for the wings. A manager would never turn that down to be able to bring players in and promote that that competitive streak within the club. Um, a lot of players that Chelsea have sold over the last kind of year or so, Jada Silva, um, we recently sold um, Tarek Lamptey as well. A few of them I was really um, sad about, actually. Um, Tarek Lamptey especially, he came on, he played against Arsenal, I think, right, D? He had a great game. And uh, I yeah. don't remember where Chelsea players play well against us. <laughs> I blocked it out on purpose. Don't, don't, don't put me in that position. Also, if you're talking about players you guys sold, I thought you guys did badly on Nathan Aki. I mm-hmm. thought you guys kind of messed up on that one. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Again, it's... Yeah, I can't remember the exact year that we sold him, um, but I think it was a collection or a group of um, situations that come that came together that meant that he wasn't getting game time. Um, and I think, he, like, it was almost for the player. I think he had to move on. He was at a point where he had to get first team game time, especially for a centre back where you need that week in, week out consistency. And on that note. That's what I actually really am worried about. If you're asking me what I'm worried about, that's my main concern is our centre-back situation um, because we have had an, almost no consistency at the back. I think Rudiger has played since he was fit, but apart from that, it's just been chop and change every single game. And don't get me wrong, there is a positive aspect to it if your opponent doesn't know which style or which formation or you know which players um, you're going to play, that's it can be a good thing, but too much chop and change, I don't know. But we have to give Lampard the time to grow as a manager. And, you know, this is only his, what, second year? Um, I, I just think we need to give, give him time, be a bit more patient. So to answer your question, I am more excited than worried, if that makes sense. If you do find your squad too full and you wanted to sell Billy Gilmore, Listen, mate. I would sell you our entire midfield before I sell <laughs> sell that guy right now. I am so gassed about Billy Gilmore, man. I I've been to see him okay, live. I'm, He's phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to say this now, and this is being recorded and put out on the internet. So if it blows up in my face, then it blows up in my face. <laughs> but Billy Gilmore has the potential to be like very good. Oh, like. I agree. The positioning, the game understanding he's got, the way he just kind of like drops around, watches what's going on, like the maturity as an 18-year-old, like in the bits that I've seen, is just like so jealous, so jealous. Mate, trust me, I was jealous before I went to see him live. And then I saw him live <laughs> and and you see and you see his his game management. He is shouting for the ball. He's telling people where to go. He's telling people where he wants the ball. He's, you know, he's getting f- stuck in into challenges. His head is always on the turn. 
I think that's a huge part of it and I'm really excited to see that Lampard is managing him because obviously, you know, Lampard was one of the best ever in that in that respect to have his head constantly on the swivel, um, scanning the pitch and knowing where everyone is. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's Billy Gilmore's just an amazing player in that, in that respect. Cool. So I think we've covered Chelsea quite well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as club we're going out. So kind of other clubs in that category, I think Man United might, might spend. Um, I think City, depending on how their financial fair play goes, <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a more a more group of, of teams, and I've put Liverpool in there, who are looking for that kind of like a, the one or two players that kind of will finish the group off. And so, like I said, I was disappointed about Werner not signing, but at the same time, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a positive thing. Um, we've lost out on players before, and Klopp still managed to put together a, a good team. Not just a but, good team, a championship winning team. <laughs> Champions League I, winning I'm, team. I'm, I'm trying not to gas myself up. I will oh, say, no, until, no. until we get the point, like I said you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure we should be opening the Premier League. I'm not sure how it's going to go, whether they're going to have to close it down. Um, so, like, I don't know if you heard about the Man United friendly where they had um, one player tested positive, so the whole match got called off. Like, mm-hmm. if that starts happening, then it's going to... But anyway, like, Liverpool may or may not win the, the Premier League this season. Obviously, we've got Champions League in the bag <laughs> last year. I was about to say, um, Ben, you do know you, do know you won the Champions League, right? That's for <laughs> any Arsenal fans who are listening in. Um, you might not know this, but the Champions League they actually have a trophy at the end of it. If you keep on, it's not just about qualifying for it. You know, you keep know, winning you know, games. You know, you know, you know there's a big one like, at the end. Every time I think, you know, I can afford to be somewhat like, you know, it's absolutely fucking ruined it. You know what? Fuck you, I'm No. No, that is jokes. <laughs> um... Ben, can I, can I ask you a quick question, mate? Um, before yeah. you were talking about Shakiri and if he was the right squad player, effectively, um, yeah. if he isn't, have you have you had any idea on who would be on the kind of player that you are looking for? Um, so I would like to look relatively youthful and look at also people who I don't really want to say available, and I don't really want to. Uh, I want people who are hungry, but at the same time, respect the opportunity that they can get at Liverpool. Um, so I, I get it. You don't want to play back up for years and years and years. But like, if you go into that team at the moment with Klopp and with the players there, like you say, like when you're in a competitive squad and in the top squad, you get better as a person. Um, so I would be looking at. I mean, if we go bottom of the table, so you've got Brandia at Norwich. I'd be very happy to get Brandia. Um, Watford, you have Ishmael Issar. I think he would be like a great signing for us. You know, that's the kind of person that I'm. I would be looking at because, if we're being honest, I wasn't necessarily too excited by any of Mane, Salah, or Firmino coming in. Okay. Um, they've come in. They work. You know, the scouts or Klopp has seen something in all of those players, and they have come in. And I don't think anybody expected any of them to get to the level they're at now. Mm. Um, so when we signed Mane for example I was like okay right that's cool 31 and a half million I think we paid for him at the time I was like ooh he's done alright at Southampton but 
Mm. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, that's fair enough. Like, we need to get somebody in. We need to start rebuilding the team. We can buy some, you know, buy somebody proper in a couple of seasons. Like, we just need to. And he's blown all my expectations. Like, Firmino under Rodgers was pushed around the team. He didn't really seem to settle. Um, I was a bit worried he wasn't quite quick enough for the Premier League. He's been a revelation. Um, and Salah, I was happy to get Salah. We've been linked to him before he went to Chelsea. Um, but again, it was like, oh, that's good. Then we've got balance. Like, you know, we've got two wingers and a striker. Like, that works. And that first season in particular, he blew away all the stats. And I think now the understanding they've got as a, as a threesome is incredible. Mm. Um, so I would go the lower. I don't think we would want to go. And I think this is where Chelsea are to an extent and where they've learned. Is like, I wouldn't want to go out and buy today's Shevchenko. I wouldn't want to go out and buy today's Crespo. Like, that level, I'm always a bit worried when you buy somebody at their absolute peak, mm. they've got nowhere to go from there. So, somebody can be performing week in and week out. Balcao is a great example. He was mm. the best striker on the planet when he moved to United. <laughs> uh, well, even Monaco before that, when he was a um, Atletico, he was incredible. Like he was unplayable on his own, like absolutely insane. Trust and me. He's moved to a new club. He's had to learn a new style of football. He's had to learn a new team. He's had to learn a new. And when you're at a certain level, I think there's just a like a mental thing. I think it's very difficult for players. You know, I mean, if you look at the, the Arsenal team that was so amazing, like the unbeatables, like you didn't really buy that many players at the complete peak of their game. Henri didn't come in at his peak. Vieira didn't come in at his peak. Like, you bought players and you made them better. And they got yeah. better as part of the group. I kind of want it to be a bit of a weird option that makes me a little bit nervous. don't want to be worried. But when we're buying players, I want to be a little bit nervous. Kind of, you know, when you've got that, okay, they've got everything they need. So Naby Keita is a great example. He hasn't been able to hit the ground running again because of, like, little injuries along the way. But, like, you want that kind of, you know, that weird feeling where you're like, I'm not sure if I'm nervous or excited. Like, I'm, I imagine that's kind of what you're feeling at the moment as a Chelsea fan, Cullen. Like, you know, we could get Werner, we could get Havertz in with all the other players we've got. That's an amazing attack. But will it work? Like, are we going to just, like, <laughs> ruin what we've got already kind of thing? Because Chelsea are moving in the right direction. This is, like, from what I've seen. Like you say, a bit of a worry about finishing. But other than that, Sort of defence out when you're you're good, and I think that would be the worry bringing in anybody. So like I'm a big fan of Jack Grealish, and I think he's got another gear he can go up. But would he come in as too big a player to play that backup role? Hmm. If you go on it, hundred percent, mate. So, I think Jack Grealish has to be the not the star of the show, but he has to be one of the standout players. He has to. So be. I think. It, Grealish, perfect club for him, Man United right now. 100%. I genuinely think he will be phenomenal at Man United. And he'll go to Man United and he'll play in such a way that me as a Liverpool fan, you as a Chelsea fan, are going to go, why the fuck did my club not buy Grealish? Like, I can imagine him blowing up in that way. Um, but I don't think he would work if he went to either one of our clubs because I don't think he would be able to get, not get through the competition, but I don't think he would be able to... Um, stamp himself on the side and I think you would lose something because of that like he would never be able to kind of peak he could go to Arsenal and he could walk into that team um, in any position <laughs> <laughs> I 
And it's Grealish with the great save. <laughs> Grealish with the great save. Wow. I would take the disrespect of any of the, like any of the outfield players, and that's fine. But Bernard Leno has been pretty much been, like, unplayable this season. No, like of all the players, he's the one Arsenal player that, like, apart from Aubameyang, he and Aubameyang are literally the only reason Arsenal actually have a shout of anything resembling that could reasonably be called a somewhat okay season. They like Leno and Aubameyang. Anyone else, like, feel free to take the piss. I'll take the hit any day. But Leno and Aubameyang, let's not. <laughs> no, I was just joking, mate. I do think Leno. He's he was a, he was a great buy, and I think with the right um, the right uh, coaching, he'll be a great goalkeeper. I think. I don't. I don't like with Leno. Like, if I don't mind, I like with Leno. I like Leno as a keeper. I think part of the problem with uh, with Arsenal is like for a keeper at Arsenal is the front four are so oh what's the word are so difficult to play with like they're mm. so difficult to organise and play with that no matter how good a keeper you are if you come to Arsenal you will it it diminishes your shine in that you have to do more work than you would have to do with a reasonably good defence so when like when Leno is playing Leno has to deal with Mustafi and like David Luiz on his off days, because I still think like David, the days when David Luiz plays and he's absolutely like he actually does the business. But when you're dealing with like a very inconsistent defense, you're put under more pressure than any keeper should have to deal with. And then it's like it comes it, it comes in two ways, and we've seen it with Arsenal before, where you have like okay keepers, but because the defense is so bad, it complete they don't and they don't like step up to kind of like fill that gap. It makes them look really, really bad. Like the fact that Leno's team looks like a decent keeper, despite all the obstacles Arsenal have effectively put on his part, is still amazing to me. Because, like again, yeah, he's he's one like any keeper that has to deal with um, like like with the Arsenal defense, you actually suffer because the quality is just a bit lacking. <laughs> so I think one thing with goalkeepers is it's very important to buy the defense as a unit. Hmm. Obviously, not necessarily at the, the same time, but you need to have a style of play that gels with uh, the goalkeeper and the defender. So, I will say this now: I don't think Mignolet is a bad goalkeeper, mm-hmm. but he is a shot stopper. And we were moving under Rogers and now under Klopp to have him more of a sweeper keeper, kind of like active. And Mignolet just can't do that. Now, that's not his fault. He's obviously learned a little bit to adapt to that, but like, it's very difficult to change your entire style of play. Mm. Um, and he would never be able to get to it. So I think the issue, you have a little bit of Chelsea, and I think more so at Arsenal, um, and where Liverpool are winning defensively, is we have got a unit which has now been put together, mm. and we have a solid back five that any Liverpool fan can tell you. You know, there's a bit of an argument, does Matip get an over Gomez, but, you know, everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet kind of thing. Whereas I think, like you said, at Chelsea, there's a little bit of uh, swap around, like who who is the best back four, and I think that has impacted on how well Kepa settled. Yeah, because he's learning a new country, a new club, new teammates in general, and then not having people do the same thing week in week out in front of him. Yeah, and, and then I he has to be the manager for a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, maybe that. Maybe that's why he stepped up, guys. He just got fed up, <laughs> and he was like, "Fuck you all! 
I'm... <laughs> but I think Arsenal, Arsenal's defence is just a patchwork job and it just I don't think yeah I think Leno has done very well for it it's a bit of a massive tangent based on like a, a flip side joke I made <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think that's part of the issue with Leno and Leno would look like a better goalkeeper if he had that consistent and you're never going to get that with David Lewis let's be honest yeah, the only time he's like consistent for a period of time is when he played in the centre of that back three for Chelsea mm. under Conte. Um, because yeah. his, he was a bit freer to move around. That's the problem, he wants to move around. Mm. The best I've ever seen him play is when he played defensive midfield for Chelsea. Oh, 100%. Because he had that freedom to like move around and get involved in the ball. I thought the same thing about Titus Bramble way, way back in the day. Like... <laughs> He had everything to be the best defender in the world except concentration. So put him in midfield <laughs> and he can just chase the ball. Like, you wouldn't want that guy running at you in the middle of midfield. Like, yeah. you would just give him the ball. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but as a defender, he just got bored and wanted that position and, you know, kind of thing. I think kind of bringing it back to Liverpool um, via Chelsea almost is um, David Luiz brought it up. Um, that's what reminded me. I think the thing more than anything else for me, if I was a Liverpool fan, my conscience would be so calm because of Jurgen Klopp and the structure that you guys have put in place. You know, you talked about that back four structure being, you know, settled and solid and then you build from there on. It's almost been a metaphor for how you've um, built your club off the pitch as well, right from the CEO all the way down you guys are just all moving in the right direction. And I think that it's um, it's such a good place to be in because I feel like no matter who you bring in, you know, you said yourself, you weren't sure about Mane, you weren't sure about Firmino, you weren't sure about Salah, pick anyone really. But as soon as Jurgen Klopp got, got his hands on them, everything changed. And I think that's where you need to be. And the, the thing that reminded me was talking about David Luiz, Lampard saying... If David Luiz doesn't want to be here, I don't care how much it costs, just get him out of the club. And I think Jurgen Klopp has displayed that. If he wants a player, he will get him. If he doesn't want a player, he doesn't. He, he won't have anything to do with him. And it's really that simple. And I think that's the faith that you guys can have in your manager at the moment. And I really hope that we can have that in Lampard very soon. I think it's one of those things and I think the thing I agree entirely with what you said I think we've done a fantastic job I think um, the FSE guys have come in and bought the club saved us from bankruptcy effectively and they've done what I've really liked about it is um, and it's something I see in Wolves as well is they've had a good sense of when they're wrong and changing things mm. um, and Klopp is pivotal to that like if the player's not working out he's worked out in the squad. Like, you know, it's that kind of, you know, you're not doing it, I'm really sorry. And to see some of the players go and yet still have a great relationship with um, kind of Jurgen Klopp, like, that is beautiful to see. Like, I don't know if you guys saw when we played Southampton um, and every player afterwards went to say hello to Danny Ings and it was, like, proper, like, hugs and smile. Like, it wasn't anything false. It was, like, he managed to leave the club completely without any acrimony like everything was just like during the match we were kicking shit out of him (laughs) (laughs) but afterwards it was like pretty like he still looked and seemed like he was part of that unit 
Like, I genuinely think he could call up Jurgen Klopp now mm. as a Southampton player, mm. ask him a question, and then Klopp would be like, yeah, sure, like, let's sort something out for you kind of thing. 100%. So I think that's great. I think one thing, the only thing that I'm worried about is, like, um, I want to make sure that we keep it as a journey and as a progression. This is where I kind of worry, because it's interesting having a Chelsea fan and an Arsenal fan, because I think both of you, your, your clubs, hit a point where you almost relaxed and were like, we're here now. So obviously mm-hmm. like with, I think with the unbeatables, like you had that, you know, new stadium in the works. I can't remember exactly when the new stadium came in, um, but you had that kind of like, right, we've got the unbeatables, we won the Premier League again, like we've done this, you know, the Champions League is just around the corner, we're going to get that, like, well, you know, we've got all the young players coming through, like we're going to have a 10-year domination. I think Chelsea did that a little bit as well. Uh, particularly when you had that period where you swapped players quite a lot, uh, not players, managers quite a lot, and you were mm. still winning. You know, people were coming in for six weeks, uh, six months, <laughs> yeah. winning an FA Cup and still getting fired. Like, there was that <laughs> yeah. point where I was like, as a rival fan, <laughs> yeah. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just, we were I'm all laughing. With the people. Um, so I think that's the thing at, at Liverpool, and I want to make sure or I hope that the club makes sure that we keep on moving forward. And so this is where I think, at the moment, I'm happy with our first team. I think we've got a great first team. I'm happy with our squad in general. But I think it is the players like Shaqiri, where it's like, right, can, who, who can we get in that's going to be better for the club? And then also looking at potential backside. So, for instance, James Milner still looks like a 20-year-old. <laughs> but it's going to come a point where he hits a wall. Mm. that's just like nature like you can't get around that and that would be the thing that worries me like I want to make sure that we keep that pressure on to constantly improve because the issue I think you have is every club looks at the team that's winning so we are at the moment are trying to overtake Man City still the problem is when you become that club then everybody looks at you and you've only got yourself to look at in a way, you kind of thing like that. So I'm actually quite happy with Chelsea buying players because it's more competition. Mm. Like teams always do better when they have a competition. Like Arsenal hit that level because they had Man United pushing them. Like Barcelona hit the level under Guardiola they did because they had Real Madrid pushing them and Mourinho came in and like you need that kind of that friction. Um, and I just want to stay on the right side of that. Like that's my main concern with Liverpool is can we stay on that kind of like continuous improvement getting better players coming in you know we want to make sure that we're still getting you know we're buying the next Didier Drogba and not the next Solomon Kalou who can do a job but <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. it was that, you, you got that striker from the Dutch league Kesman was the top scorer in the Dutch league yeah Kesman you know that kind of thing like yeah he was not the right fit, and I think it's a lot easier now. I think with analytics, it's a lot easier to find or you can find the right fit. Mm. And I want to make sure that we are buying players who are going to improve with us and improve us and not just be like, right, we'll get the top score in the Dutch league this year, and then next league, you know, next season, we'll get the guy with the most assists from the French league or you know, that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the issue at Liverpool with you know, it's that complacency. Um, if we do overtake Man City, if we do win the, the league this year, 
you know, particularly after 30 years without one, our first Premier League, there's a big opportunity for everybody at the club to go, ah, and then <laughs> the backslide begins kind of thing. Yeah. That's my concern. You mentioned before players like Saka at Arsenal. Are you basically saying that that you want to take what you have now and start bringing youth? Are you basically you you're not looking for the top the top uh, scorer in the Dutch league, like you said? Are you basically saying that you want to do almost what Chelsea are doing? So I I think that Chelsea to an extent are doing a higher priced version of what Liverpool have been doing. Hmm. And I think Liverpool are doing a higher priced version of what Southampton are doing. Hmm. Um, and I think I would like to continue. I think it inevitably needs to slow down. Um, so we have rebuilt the entire team. Um, I think other than Joe Gomez and Henderson, there's not a single player in our, our first team that hasn't been, or Firmino as well. Um, but, you know, the majority of the first team is a Klopp team. Hmm. Um, and, you know, quite a few of the subs and kind of like, you know, squad players are, are club players. So we've we built that core. I think the issue is is getting in players probably with a lower profile who are a bit younger, who are a bit more willing to learn and have a bit more time on their hand to learn. You know, because Scott plays a brand of football yeah. and, you know, he will, you know, you get dropped if you can't kind of fill his role kind of thing. Mm. Um, we've got a few youth players coming through I would love to see them so we've got Curtis Jones Neko Williams at right back and mm. Rian Brewster I think they can all do a job um, Harry Wilson is a question mark um, do we sell him after this season or does he get given his chance to break through into the team um, I think if he's happy I think he can replace Lallana mm-hmm. as that kind of like you know attacking midfielder role who can play across the front three you know and I think it's, you know, Alex Ferguson did it amazingly, having people who would be willing to come in and you had, I don't even know how to describe it, it's almost like you had first choice squad players. So someone like John O'Shea or Wes mm-hmm. Brown would play in multiple positions and they were happy and they got 20, 30 games a season and they were so vital to that Man United success mm-hmm. because they filled in all of the gaps in a similar way to what Milner does now. And I think what we need to do is we need to buy people at a younger age with the expectation that they would do a Milner-type role. And then if along the way they win a first-team place, then that's great. Because mm-hmm. we will need to look at replacing people. And I think this is why I would have quite liked Werner, because we're not going to be able to keep our front three forever. Mm-hmm. I think they're happy at the moment. But particularly, I think they're all 27, moving on to 28. Mm-hmm. There's going to come a point. If Real Madrid come in for you when you're 30, you're going to take that offer. It's as simple as that. You're going to take that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, you're going to take though that, that level of prestige. Um, and I would not blame any of them. Like, whatsoever. like none of them are scouts. None of them have grown up in the shadow of Anfield. Like, they obviously love playing for the club. It's obviously benefited them, but they benefited us. I would have no qualms about any of them leaving in the same way. I had no problem with Coutinho, other than the, the pretend backache. I had no problem with Coutinho leaving. I had no problem, to a large extent, with Torres leaving. I had no problem with Sterling leaving. Like They left for obvious better things and kind of the culmination of their journey kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I would, 
you need to have that kind of back. I don't want to have a situation where we lose Mane in two years or in a year, and it's like shit. What do we do now? Because mm-hmm. it's not being like a rig. You can't cover for him. Like he's been a great sub impact player, and he's scored some fantastic goals for us, and he will be written down as a hero in you know Liverpool folklore. But there's a reason why Mane plays ahead of him. Mm. Like he hasn't been able to dislodge him. He's been given chances and it hasn't worked. Um, so yeah, I think that's my worry. It's like you know when you're at that point. So when you're a weaker squad, you can have people quite easily. When you're getting towards, I don't want to use the word perfect, but when you're getting towards a completed team and squad, mm. every player added has more and more risk attached to them because you don't want that one player that upsets the whole thing. And that's why I think transfers for Liverpool, and that's why I'm quite happy we pulled out of the Werner deal. If it's financial, that worries me a little bit more. Although I'm glad we're playing it safe, and that makes a lot of sense because obviously, like I said, when FSG bought the club, we nearly we were on the verge of bankruptcy, mm. and they kind of brought us back, and they've done it in a sensible way, and we're our financial figures are great. So if they're just there, like okay, right, we don't just don't want to risk fifty four million on a on a striker right now when we have arguably the best front three in the world. Mm. Um, that makes sense. But it's just like, I hope we're still making the right choices. I'm sure we are, but you yeah. worry about it, don't you? Of course, mate. Of course. Yeah. Is is there anywhere, is there anyone that you've, uh, that you've, that you could think could step into the squad and do, do the job that, um, that Mane could say if, if Mane was to leave for like a Real Madrid? Apart from Werner. So, I don't... <laughs> oh, like, in terms of in the world? Yeah, yeah. Like, say you say you fast-forwarded 12 months to next summer and Mane yeah. has signed for Real Madrid and no- yeah. nothing else has changed. What would you, what would you want Liverpool to do um, in terms of buying a player to replace him? Not from the sense of, literally, you could buy Messi or something. So, we are talking vaguely realistically. Um, what, what, who would you, is there anyone that you've kind of, you, you've had your eye on or anything like that? Um, I'm not sure if there's anyone at the moment. It's, it's a really difficult one because like I say, like I've kind of, I've kind of dropped off and I've gone to the trust club. Yeah. Like that's the, you know, kind of like, because he's so much egg on my face from decisions where I'm like, mm, and he's right. <laughs> um, I'm excited we've, we've been linked with Adama Traore mm. and I think he would be good um, but you know that's kind of like the next step and I think he's looking at it so he's brought in Minamino to, to kind of like fight with on the surface it looks like Firmino so it's obviously an idea that he's got um, but obviously it's kind of it's difficult because you're at a point where you need to find the right person who is going to give us more than Divakarigi or Shakiri's giving us, but who is willing to kind of stay and fight for the, this role kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I don't think there's a ready-made replacement necessarily for Mane. But then I don't think that, you know, if we bought Mane again from Southampton, he wouldn't be a ready-made replacement for Mane is now. Yeah, um, definitely. So I think... The only player that really out and out that I really, really want at the club. And a lot of it depends on how things work out in our midfield, but I would love Ruben Nevers. Mm. Like, he 
is just at the moment and Billy Gilmore. <laughs> but like just looking at a player which I'm like, right, you could pick him up and put him in Liverpool and Liverpool would play better from the <clears throat> off Ruben Nevers. Hmm. Would you who would he replace, mate? Um that's where it gets difficult. Hmm. Um at the moment, Jeannie Wijnaldum has not signed a new contract. Okay. And he's been linked to Barcelona, he's been linked with Real Madrid, he's been linked with Juventus. And it's so this summer his contract's up. I believe he's agreed to stay on for the remaining games. Um, But his contract is up, he can leave on a free at the end of the season. Time has ticked away (laughs) and he hasn't signed a new contract. So I'm thinking he might be on the way out. And I think Ruben Neves would be absolutely perfect to come in and have. I think he is naturally what Klopp is turning Wijnaldum into. And he's 23, 24. So Mm. he's still got another 10 years. Kind of like... So he is the one player that I'm like writing in my diary at night. Dear diary, please can I get Ruben Neves? Santa for like he at the moment is the only person that I, I can kind of like look at genuinely and be like yeah, yeah like he would be you know there's always players you look at you like yeah I'd like them at my club mm. but he is one where it's like yes I would love him and then obviously you get into people like yeah I'd love to see Haaland at the club mm. um, I'd love to see Sancho at the club you know like those kind of players yeah. but like it's you know, with every transfer, it's a bit of hit and miss. But I think we're never is just watching him play. Mm. Like, I think he was slotted really well at our club. Well, a couple of things, actually. First, really, um, I'm surprised. Um, I am actually surprised that Wijnaldum hasn't signed. I thought he was quite an integral part um, of your team in terms of the impact that he had. Whenever he came on in a game, you saw the change in the... Um, in the dynamic of the game, in the pace of the game, um, like everything changed, but in, in my eyes anyway. Um, and in terms of comparing his position in the squad with someone like um, Ruben Neves, I actually thought that Wijnaldum, he was almost, he almost played like a, or maybe not he didn't play, but he drove into a position of a striker all those goals that he got from inside the six-yard box, either tapping it in at the back post or whether it was a header, he scored lots of good headers. Um, I found that he was a bit more of like a, a supporting striker role, driving through from the midfield, using his pace and his aggression and his um, and his stamina to get you know box-to-box all the time. Um, but I see Ruben Neves more of kind of like a edge-of-the-box player, if that makes sense, more of like a Paul Scholes-y oh. kind of role. This is the thing, so I can see exactly why you're saying that. Mm. Because if you have a highlight reel of Ginny Ronaldo, that's what it would look like. Yeah. But he actually he drops back quite a lot. Like, um, so obviously at Newcastle, he was an attacking midfielder. He played on the right, he played on the left. Like, I remember buying him years ago in Football Manager when he played for uh, PSV, I think it was. Mm. I've been fired and he was an attacking midfielder, right, left, centre. Like, that's where he came from. And Klopp has forced him, not forced him, he's moulded him back. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene wants to stay in that role. And I think that the issue with him, not the issue with him, but one thing I've noticed is he's very good in the centre midfield. 
like you say, he's very good when he attacks the box. I don't think he does it regularly enough. Mm. And I think there was a bit of a disconnect with, between the two roles. So when he's drifting into those attacking roles, um, he, you know, when he's in the centre midfield, he's very good. When he's in the box, he's very good. But I think he's in a weird place now when he's getting from the midfield into the attack, where he's played as an attack midfielder for a long time. He's now been taught to play another way. And it just seems like a bit, you know, it's his brain fighting with his heart kind of thing. Mm. Um, still does a fantastic job for him. I'm still, I would prefer him to sign the contract and stay. Um, but I think Neves would form a great pivot with Fabinho. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think that would allow Henderson to push forward a bit more um, and kind of attack like a battery ram. <laughs> because again, when he does it, there are times he gets into the box and he's a monster, but we don't see that enough from him. Um, and so, like, you know, it's a bit, you know, but, you know, it's the way we play, the midfielder kind of sit a bit more, we've got the three up front, we've got the wing-backs, you know, full-backs pushing forward. Mm. Um, yeah, never, I would love Nevis. Love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, Moving on to, I think we've covered Liverpool quite well. We can move on to talk about Arsenal. And I kind of promised, like in the in the, the the meeting before we started recording the podcast, I kind of promised the story of why I rag on Arsenal so much. Um, and this might be the perfect opportunity to do this. Arsenal. So when I was. For a long time, when I was really growing up, but like as I was getting older and as I, you know, going through my teenage years and into adulthood, Arsenal were the team you wanted to be. That's absolutely like they had the youth coming through. They had the new stadium on the way. They were winning championships. They had some of the best players: Bergkamp, Henri, all of that. They were beautiful football. They had the. Uh, it wasn't quite tiki taka, but you know, the passing the ball around, Fabregas coming through, like captain at nineteen, like everything was ridiculous. So I was jealous as hell. Liverpool were in a quagmire at the time. Like, they were genuinely down in the dump. Like, falling apart, making every decision wrong. Like, everything was terrible, terrible. And I remember, like, I was so happy when we bought, what say, Chamberlain. Because I remember having a mini mental breakdown on the day that Arsenal bought him. (laughs) Why the fuck can we not buy him? Like, this... I know we're having money problems, but it makes sense. You buy a young player who can play in several roles for 30 million, he's at your club for 10 years, or you've sold him on for like that was a thing, like that I remember. So when we bought him, it was such a big like we're there, we, we bought the player that I wanted, kind of thing. <laughs> the reason why Arsenal wind me up so much is they're making every single fucking mistake that Liverpool made along the way. And it just reminds me every single time of all those things that happened, particularly under Hicks and Gillette, that still burn me to this day. Like, I watch Arsenal and I listen to the majority of Arsenal fans and I'm just there like, you are fucking idiots. Stop trying to rationalise it. Stop trying to, like, talk like it's a good thing. Like, it's all going wrong. Like, it's literally... When I attack you, when I attack Ram, when I attack anybody who's an Arsenal fan, it's like I'm trying to shake my past self. I just be like, no, you're in an abusive relationship. Fucking stop it. 
<laughs> That's why Arsenal rugby. <laughs> ben, no, one hearing <laughs> it is that Arsenal are basically a scab that gets picked. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. I think it's with um with the fans as well, and I fully get it because I was exactly the same. You start trying to rationalise stuff, and you start like all the arguments I have with Ram. That's why they get so heated. Right, um, Ram is like a, a mutual friend for people who haven't listened to the podcast since we always gets brought Because um, it's like, he's there and he's saying stuff and I'm like, bro, I said that eight years ago and I was wrong. <laughs> when he's like, all the financial stuff, no, 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 we've got money, we're going to buy someone big. It never happens, bro. Until you sell somebody, you don't have that money. Like, everything, like Liverpool fans will agree, they will look at it and go, yeah, do you know what? When you think about it, that's exactly what happened. Like selling your young players to bring in a player to round out your squad, never quite having the whole squad. Uh, next year, if we can get a left back, that'll be all right. But then you sell like a right winger, oh, we'll be all right next year. We'll get there, we'll get there. Everything, everything just reminds me of Liverpool. Okay, <laughs> but right. 10 years ago, before FSG oh. came in, before, before Rodgers came came and, and saved you. Right, my my thing with Arsenal right now is like I'm not a fan that hasn't realized that I'm in a toxic relationship. I think I realized that <laughs> quite a few years ago when like I had to sit down and I had to rationalize that Chamak was in my squad and that Korean striker that I don't even remember the fuck how the fuck that happened. So I've I've long since accepted that like Arsenal is we're just. A, in the worst kind of toxic relationship, and it's not even like I think it was bad enough when I had to like put up with the quality of the players, but then you just realize at some point, like your your manager has lost it because I love Arsenal like I'm gonna love Enga to the day I die because he's one of the, he's one of the managers that I grew up with, um, and like I respect him as like I respect what he did for the club. I like the way that he tried to stay at the club at some point. I like what he did for the league, the Premier League in general, because he came and he like. Yeah. I think up to that point, like it was pretty much, it was pretty much like Ferguson's show, and then things kind of came and like you know. So, but it's like, KSC has done this. I don't like they've managed to make Arsenal. I can I get it from a capitalist point of view where like Arsenal is just an asset at the end of the day. Win or lose, it doesn't bother KSC. They just they're still gonna make their money one way or the other. But also I think my main problem was with like the club was I kind of wish like even if you know this thing is just a it's just a money thing for you, just for something for you to pad the books, you want it to still be doing well. You want to actually have like a management that knows what the fuck they're doing. And I don't think we had that until recently, until like last season, when the um when we got rid of um, Gazidis, or I say we got rid of, I mean, thankfully, when AC Milan decided to read us of <laughs> Gazidis. Like, I think I slightly became an AC Milan fan for a couple of days, just when I heard that announcement, because I was just kind of like, oh my God, he's fucking gone. Yes. Like, you know, you know when, you know, you know when, like, it's when, like, in those stuff where they go like, ding dong, the witch is dead. Like, literally, that was the moment I had when Gazidis left, because Gazidis, he put us in such a like, and even when he was leaving, he still managed to give us like a special last fuck you by getting Unai Emery in. Like he got Unai Emery, like that was like his last official thing. It was almost like he was going, you know what? Before I leave, I'm just going to leave. 
I'm just going to shit like on the club one last time, just like a special fuck you. Wow. To, to honestly, like that, like that, like that, like that's how I felt about it. So, but in the in the case of like, because I know we're talking about transfers, but I don't think we can talk about transfers like Ben said if we don't understand like the state of the club. Arsenal right now, I think we we have, and this is the biggest problem. We have Europa League players on Champions League contracts, and that is that essentially is like we're overpaying for all the players. There's no aspect of it. Like I'm looking at the fact that Mustafi is on the books, and like it is hard for Arsenal to shift a player like Mustafi is a huge problem in and of itself. Like if a club, if clubs are looking at and they're looking at Mustafi, and the problem isn't that they don't want to take him. The problem is that oh, we would take him off you. But we can't afford it. That says that at some point the contracts, the establishing contracts and contract dealings were so bad, and the contract setup was so bad that it's now put it like eventually, regardless, it was gonna it was gonna get to this point where they were going to like it was gonna bite us in the ass. Also, like Ben pointed out, the transfer policies of recent years have been just abysmal. Because we focused, in my opinion, anyways, we focused on like aspect of the team that didn't need or that were not a priority. I.e., you're looking at uh, like when Arsenal decided they needed to have both Aubameyang and Lacazette. When really defensive midfield had a problem, the defense. Oh Lord, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> so with the change in like the upper management, with Gazelle's gone. And the new structure coming in with like Edu and like bringing in bringing in Arteta and all that. I'm hoping I'm not I'm not under no illusions. I don't I don't think Arsenal is going to be will come will be a competitive force for at least another two to three seasons. And that's me being optimistic. Like normally, if I'm going to be as pessimistic as I can, I don't see Arsenal being a threat for the next four to five seasons. But let's even say let's go like let's say I'm we're going crazy and I'm going to just like you know throw it out there and go, okay, I'm trying to be optimistic. For the next two to three seasons, the next two to three seasons, next windows are so important for us because I think we need to... I've already made peace with the fact that Aubameyang is gone. Hmm. I've made peace with that because, honestly, I don't like Arsenal right now. The appeal of Arsenal is not what it used to be. Um, the, the whole time when, when last season, when they decided they were going to spring and bring up money for Pepe, I thought that was a bad was a bad idea, mostly for two reasons. One, he wasn't the kind of player that my Emery needed. And by that was also he wasn't the kind of player that Arsenal needed at the time. It was why I was happy for the Torreira buy, because I felt that's a player, like that's a midfield player that we could use. I was very disappointed with the Pepe one. And the only reason the Pepe one was bought, in my opinion, was was essentially a PR stunt for KSE to kind of go. Look, we kind of care about you guys. So, like, look, we have money. It's kind of like when you, like, when uh, you're in an abusive, a physically abusive relationship, and then your abuser kind of like gives you money and goes, "Here, go to the shop and buy yourself a pretty thing." And then, because you're so used to the abuse, you think that's a good thing. And that's why I felt Arsenal fans were really excited about Pepe when we really had no business being excited about Pepe because. There were still fundamental problems in the squad. You had a, you have, you now have a side that is very top heavy. So you can look at, you look at the three, three potential attackers that we have. 
in Aubameyang, uh, Lacazette, and Pepe. And under better teams, they would have they would play better. Like people give Lacazette a hard time, but I, I saw Lacazette when he played at Lyon, and I saw how he played when he had like proper midfielders and there was a proper structure and they knew where they were going, what they were doing right now. And I saw how he played. I like I was excited. Like I don't know if you guys remember, I was talking about when we got Lacazette. The other player that I was hoping we would get was Fekker. Was who? Like, D? I don't know. Um, Fekker. Oh, Fekker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the player. Like that was the player I was hoping we would get when we got because I know they like they they quite the duo from Lyon, mm. and I thought like they would actually like you know they could actually do it. They could actually do something. So like right now, I'm I like the focus with Arsenal's chance like last season and like coming into this season, especially with Arteta. The focus on the youth, I think, like quite of the youth, some of the youth players have actually shown have gone above and beyond, especially Saka, which is why I'm very worried because he he shares an agent with Sancho, and when Sancho wasn't getting his deal where he was, he immediately jumped ship and he went straight to Germany. So, mm. like, I know some Liverpool fans might be thinking, oh, if Saka leaves, Saka's gonna go end up at Liverpool. I don't see him ending up there. I think he's going to do what Sancho did essentially, which is go to the Bundesliga, raise his stock, and then he get pretty much gets to pick and choose where he ends up. Because he's such a versatile player as well. Because he he's not he's not a left back, but he's done such a he's done the business fast. I think with this with last window and windows going forward, I think Arsenal have the right idea if they are going to be following the Martinelli model, which is you're going to go to the lesser known league. You're going to find the talent, and then you're just going to like see how far you can get it because Martinelli has been a revelation. Like he's one of the bright spots of the season. Saka is one of the bright spots. It's like literally the brightest spots of the season so far are not any of the veteran players, but it's the youth that have come through. And even if you're looking at some of the veteran players for like any kind of like oh this was a good thing, I think the closest we can get is they were playing crap on the Emery. And then Ateta somehow found found a way to make them give a fuck again. In particular, you look at Xhaka. Because, like, again, Xhaka has done enough damage, enough, like, enough damage to his own career that I don't think at any point any kind of praise, he seems worthy of any kind of praise. But as an Arsenal fan, I know, like, I've seen Xhaka at his worst. And what he's playing under Ateta is definitely not that. So, but I think, like, with the transfers, Arsenal do need to, to, like, this is the difference. One, we don't have the money. So, I'm not, I'm not even looking, I'm not even seeing a situation where, like, Chelsea, where, like, oh, we have the money, we can buy that player. So, when, like, again, when Ram says there's money to be spent, <laughs> I, I, I'm so, no, no, I'm no. so... Man said serious money will be spent soon. Boy, like, I, 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 I don't know about that. I don't know. Like, you know, you know, you know what this is. If, if if that happens, right, that has to be like that has to be the surprise of the season. That has to be a case of like you go in, your parents tell you they're getting you a car, and you're expecting an Nissan Micra, and then you go and then you see like a Rolls Royce or a Lamborghini. <laughs> That's how surprised I would be. <laughs> If, honestly, if Arsenal, if Arsenal spent any significant money on any player without actively selling some players first, because that's the thing, the wage rule is ridiculous at Arsenal. It's not, it's not anywhere near where like a club that doesn't, that isn't guaranteed European football, were paying way too much. 
So I think for the next two seasons, I honestly do see a case where we empty and we kind of like get rid of some players. And then we focus mostly on the on the youth, which is why I'm slightly worried that there's so like we're very quiet on extending some of those contracts. Because honestly, what I do what I do expect to happen and what I'm hoping will happen is some of the youth players that we have get sold. Because honestly, like uh, Maitland Miles, I expect to get sold. Um, previously, I wanted to keep um, Reese Nelson. But if Reese Nelson has to go just so we can kind of play it, so be it. The one player that I do know that I absolutely I don't want to see in any other colours uh, right now would be Saka. Saka is literally the only player that I would actually go. If he left, I'd be very disappointed. So well, technically, me, if he came to Liverpool, then... He will still be wearing red. <laughs> I, 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 I can't stress this enough, Ben. I really can't. I need you to fuck off. Right? I, just, I just need you. I just need you to fuck off right now. Don't, 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 don't do that to me. Don't bring that up. Just do that. We're not doing that. But no, but like that, like that's like that's Arsenal's stance right now. Arsenal needs to be like we need to come. We need to come to grips with the fact that there has been ridiculous amount of mismanagement in regards to. Whether it's transfers, whether it's uh, contract management, it's been bad. So, listen to that, Dee. Just a couple of questions have popped into my head. Yeah. First one, what have you seen differently that makes you think that you have a brighter future? So, you've talked a lot about how there's been a change of boardroom level. Yeah. Um, and that uh, you've had Gazidis out, you've had new people come in as you structure in the club. You know, obviously, Arteta's got the players playing better, but you often have a new manager bounce. He's playing a lot of the youth players. Well, what have you seen over, say, the last season that would actually make you think that you are going to be in a position to right the mistakes that you've been making as a club? Um, honestly, it's one, the, the board change is very important. Um, either the the way certain things, like the mission statement of the club seems to be the most articulate it's been in quite a while. Um, also, I kind of feel like even though the new manager bounce might be a factor, I think like Arteta is the first manager we've had, like actually not even the first manager, he's the only manager we've had after Wenger that actually looks like he he kind of roughly has like an idea of what kind of football he wants Arsenal to play because I think with Unai Emery there was a lot of uh, tinkering like he and at the start it seemed like a good idea because it seemed to confuse the opposition but then you then realize you can't he doesn't he didn't have the players to do it like you can't Jacka does a job Jacka is not flexible. So you can't always expect like, oh, I want Jacka to do this and then every game he's going to do it. Because when, when Jacka makes mistakes, especially like the defensive third makes a mistake, he doesn't, he doesn't half-ass it. Like he doesn't, he doesn't go, oh, I might get a yellow card here. He goes, oh, I'm giving away a penalty in this motherfucker right there. <laughs> so like when, when, when he makes those kind of mistakes, like Jacka makes mistakes and it leads to goals. And that's who Unai Emery seemed to think he wanted to trust the defensive midfield group to because he was tall enough and he wasn't Lucas Torreira. So I think um, the things that give me hope 
that we kind of were trying to like right the ship or steady the ship at least is Arteta's appointment was a, is a risk that I didn't think the club was going to take and I'm quite happy they did. Um, the focus on youth, like proper, like properly using them because I think with some managers, the thing was because the youth were available, they could have been like overly used or overused. But I don't, I don't see, I don't see that with Arteta. Like there's certain players that he used out of necessity, like Saka, um, like uh, Reese Nelson. But then there are other players that you know that he used because he actually had a plan for them. And I'm looking at like Eddie Ketia, who came back from Leeds, even though he was having quite a good spell with Leeds. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I think like the the first thing that gives me hope about Arsenal's future, it, the management seem to finally got the right. The the current board as like is doing certain things or looks to be interested in a particular way of recruiting players. Like that goes with uh, Martinelli. That even goes with Pablo Marie. Like the Pablo Marie one, I didn't see coming because I I genuinely thought, oh, this is one of those things where they they say they're trying to fix it, but they're not. Um, I also like the fact that we have Saliba coming in next season, which should be good, and he seems to have had a good season despite it being injury played. So there are things going forward like. Uh, Pablo Murray coming in, the recruitment under the new management that seems to be working better than Gazidis did. So yeah, I'm quite happy with that. So that's why I'm looking at the management and some of the recruitment. When you say some of the recruitment though, on the other edge of that seesaw, you do yeah. have Pepe. The main thing for me, when me looking at it from an outside perspective, is um, I think Emery was given the short end of the stick. I think he was brought in with promises. And I don't think they were fulfilled. I think oh, the, a, a big thing that is glaringly obvious to me is that he got in uh, Dennis Suarez on a loan deal and then he got in Sabayos on a loan deal. He's clearly trying to get in a creative midfielder that can dictate play from the middle. And he has not been given that support to do that. Instead, he's had to settle for two loan deals. Suarez still was terrible, and Sabahis, I just don't think it's cut it in the Premier League. And the I, thing that concerns me is, it's the same people. So you've got Edu in now, and maybe you've got a slightly different scouting edge, but the people who are signing the contracts for Martinelli are the same ones that did it for Pepe and other players that haven't worked out. And what's going to happen if mm-hmm. they don't give Arteta the players that he needs? At the moment, Arteta's come in and it's great, he's got a plan. So, like, it's the same thing with Lampard at Chelsea. So, Lampard's come and he's done a fantastic job. I wouldn't take anything away from Lampard. Came in, done well. Now he's buying players in. It's becoming Lampard's team. And he needs to keep that pressure on and those players need to land for him to be a success as a Chelsea manager. Arteta's yeah. come in and rebuilt that team and they're playing better, marginally. Um, <laughs> when it comes down to that same kind of like director of football group rather than an individual player, are they going to get the deals that he wants in to make it or is it just going to be another round on a roundabout and nothing works? I think at this point, honestly, it's I'm, I'm willing to give the management team the benefit of the doubt because like part of the problem with Arsenal is the, the rot had set in so deeply 
that it's going it was going to take a while anyways for any kind of no matter how good the the fix was it was going to take a while for it to show so it's kind of like firstly in regards to how Arsenal used to buy players there were certain players like one of the longest running jokes in football right is the oh this player almost signed for Arsenal or that player almost signed for Arsenal and like there's been a decisiveness with the team that I haven't I haven't seen in a while decisiveness got us um, Pepe but that decisiveness also is on the verge of getting us uh, Saliba and it's that kind of thing and it shows like that decisiveness also made made it possible that in the middle of the season where there was talk that we could have ended up with Ancelotti the management still decided like they're going to give because they know this is going to be a long-term rebuild and they're willing to risk it with Arteta. So that kind of thing is still it gives me hope. I honestly think like the problem with Unai Emery was I don't think the board actually saw Unai Emery like a long term option. I think they brought him brought him in because they thought he'd steady the ship, but then he just added a few more leaks. And now they had egg on their face, and then I think that's why they dragged it out for so long before they gave him the boot. Because they didn't want to make it seem like they made a mistake, which in and of itself is kind of problematic when you think about it. But mm. it's like at this point, it's more, it's more there. I I think as an Arsenal fan, I've seen so much shit that now that I see anything that resembles a plan, I'm immediately stoked because I'm just kind of like, oh, again, this like you said, Arsenal fans were in such an abusive relationship. That at this point, the fact that Arsenal as a football club hasn't punched me today, I'm taking that as progress. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's, that's. Sorry? That's, that's deep. No, that, that, like, that, that, like that's, that's honestly what it is. So, it's kind of like, it's. Um, at this point, it's really, I'm hoping against hope. Like, I've seen positives because I've seen how badly we've, the club has been run before. So, like, this. This um, this might be a false dawn, and I've Lord knows I've lived through a few of those at Arsenal. But I do think like the management's come in, the management seems to have a plan, and then we'll see where we go from there. Okay, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I yeah. slightly disagree, but we'll see. But just one question, uh, second question that I've got. So we touched earlier on Chelsea and then yeah. playing the youth players and buying players in, whether that would affect. And I think Lampard's done a great job of bringing through people like Maury and uh, Mason Mount and other players. And, you know, there's a real opportunity at the moment for young players at Chelsea to get into the team and make positions their own. At Liverpool, you've got a situation where maybe there's less opportunity in the first team. But at the same time, if you've got that ability, you are kind of like, you know, Trent is a great example. He's got the ability that is his role now. And we're hoping that people like Jones and people like Neko Williams can find a space within that squad. Mm. But they're training in week in and week out with some of the best players in the world, arguably one of the best managers in the world. Yeah. At Arsenal, at the moment, some players are getting a lot of games, but it's more due to a threadbare squad and other players underperforming rather than everything. On a serious point, why would they stay? Oh, if honestly, somebody comes in, I, I think is that something that worries you? 
Oh no, so I'm 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 not worried about some of the youth players staying. I think part of the reason, like right now, if there is one positive to the factory that it squad, is that if you're a youth player, you're looking at that team and you're thinking, I can make it. Like you're looking at that team and you're thinking, I can use Arsenal just from a purely cynical point of view. I can use Arsenal as a stepping stone. Like I'm, I'm looking at some of the new talent, and the only reason, the part of the reason why I think they're going to stay is because they can, they know that they can force their way into the first team. Doesn't so matter how. Is, so this is where I, I will disagree with you, because oh. that is what I think that Chelsea have, and I don't mean necessarily for moving on, but somebody like Tammy Abraham is going to look at, particularly with the players coming in. Tammy Abraham is going to be like, if I get to play next to Werner next season. I will get better chances because it will split defenders. Werner will help pick me out. I'll be able to pick oh, him out. Oh, no, 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 no. You're, 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 mista- you're mistaking what I'm saying. I'm saying... No, 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 no. I understand what you're saying. But this is okay. the thing. They are looking at that Chelsea team and going, there is opportunity in there, but there is a good squad. The guys yeah. at Liverpool are going to be looking at the first team going, well, the first team is incredible, but if I can hit a level, Klopp will play me. At Arsenal... They're looking round, or I would be looking round the pitch. Who who do you pass to? Like, if you can't get a Bamiyang or Lacazette on the ball, who in that team? So, are like Saka is looking good, but I have been disappointed overall with the rest of the youth team in terms of what they've managed to produce. Nothing to do with them. It's just they're not in a team where they can shine. And there's yeah. too much pressure on them. Like I, if you're breaking through, like Saka's probably annoyed that he's become the first choice left back essentially, in what should be his breakthrough season on the left wing. Like it's a good opportunity, but at the same time, it's like a heavy cross to bear. And I, I, I think the main the main appeal of, uh, and I think this is why getting Arteta in was like a bit of a masterstroke for the management group was Arteta's the appeal. At this point, it's not necessarily the team because, like, you look at Arteta and, like, part of whether it's just good PR on his end or good PR for Man City when they were trying to get Arsenal to pay for them for us to get Arteta from them. They there's a, there's been a bit of a uh, of like talk of how well he can manage talent because. Uh, like depending on how you look at it, um, he managed to elevate um, Delft to a point where he actually looks like a decent player. Um, he worked with um, Sane was the rumor, and Sane as a player did quite well at Man City. So well, in fact, that now he seems to think he has outgrown the club and is looking to move on to like Bayern if possible. So those kind of things is why I think like the main appeal would be Arteta. In that I have a manager here who, if he's going to play me, will try and get the best out of me as possible. In regards to the rest of the team, honestly, like apart from Aubameyang and um, like Lacazette on the front, I don't think any of the like you rightfully said. I don't think any of the midfield players um, greatly inspire confidence, apart from maybe Lucas Torreira. Um, like and the fact that Lucas Torreira is honestly the only name that comes to mind is a bit worrying. <laughs> oh no! It, it it really is because like I like um 
I'm not I'm not gonna go the normal route with like Arsenal fan, which is just go and absolutely shit all over Jacka. Because honestly, I think part of the problem with certain with some of these players they the with either the manager who both had a different a different job in mind for them. And then he has they've now had to deal with managers coming in at a manager in uh what's the word? In Unai Emery, who wasn't fully backed and it showed because it seemed at some point even Unai Emery didn't seem to know what he was supposed to be doing with some of these players. So like I'm I'm thinking like with Arteta at the helm and like the degree of how cohesive Arsenal have actually looked right now. Whether again, whether it's just the new manager bounce, we'll see. But I kind of feel like yeah, as a youth player, you want you're looking at. Arteta seems to be able to nurture talent, and the fact that, at the very least, if I do well enough, someone is going to save me from Arsenal. Okay, I'll agree to disagree, but all I'm going to say is that while I understand the principle of Arteta, uh, you know, focusing on the youth, I genuinely, if I had an option between playing for Arteta at Arsenal, or went to Wolves with Nuno, or went to Leicester with Rodgers, Arsenal would be my third choice. Like, I think there's managers out there that are bringing people through. And I get what you're saying, but I would be asking my agent, if I was a young player at Arsenal right now, to have a, you know, put out tentative dealers and see if anything was going. Oh, and yeah, I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't blame you. Me, me too, for the record, Ben. <laughs> Let the record show. <laughs> Dee, um, I had a couple of questions, mate. Um, yeah. A, a while back, you were talking about um, how Arsenal can progress um, their squad. And you were talking about getting rid of players. Um, and you, I think yeah. you used those words. I guess my question is, with players like Mustafi, we've touched on the fact that Arsenal can't seem to get rid of him. Um <laughs> Given that is the case, and you know there are, you could say that maybe for a few of the other players in the Arsenal squad, what what yeah. do you see as the solution in terms of getting players out in order to bring players in? From the perspective of if you're finding it difficult to sell a player like Mustafi, how do you expect the squad to change? And kind of tying that in with the mismanagement of the squad. Like, I can't believe we haven't mentioned it so far, but Ramsey, like, what the hell happened, man? Like, his yeah. contract management, when you think about that, and with Ozil, like, still on the books, I I know it's, I know Ozil's a bandwagon to jump on, but, I, like, I literally I, think of Ramsey and I genuinely feel sad. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know, I, like... Definitely, like again, of all the players that we've lost recently due to like bad, I think that was the like Ramsey one in particular hurt. But I think with um, when it comes to like getting rid of some of the deadweight players, honestly, which is why I was saying that I give it about two, three windows for Arsenal to get their shit together. Mm. Some of these contracts are so bad that I don't think one any other club would be willing to take them on. Mm. So I think it's really a case of like, you're just, we're just going to have to wait it out. You're literally the, just letting the contracts run down. That, that's about it. Because 
honestly, like you look, you look at Ozil, and Ozil straight up like wasn't even shy about it. He literally told the club like, "You're not getting rid of me." <laughs> like he 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 didn't even miss his words. He did he like he said from get go. He was just kind of like, "Look here, I'm running out of this contract. You're not getting rid of me. Either find a way to play me." Or like I would sit barely sit on the bench, but I am going nowhere. My man has a house in in London. He's not looking to go anywhere anytime soon. Bro. <laughs> so like on that one, I think with like with players like Mustafi, um, I think it's going to be a case of like yeah, if we can't, we're either going to have to deal with the fact that honestly we're going to have to take a loss mm. on some of these players, mm. or they're, they're simply just going to have to stay on our books until we get rid of them. The, the only consolation prize that I can see, especially in, the, in regards to the defence, is that, so say for example, David Luiz might be going soon if he doesn't get a contract extension, even though it looks like he's going to get a contract extension due to his agent. But like, so David Luiz is a player, is going to be there. I'm, the positives I'm taking from the defence is with Saliba coming in next season, with Mari on the, because we've always needed a, a a left-footed defender, mm. central defender. So with Mari, with Saliba, I don't see Mustafi getting that much playtime. Mm-hmm. So that that could like if is that we can't move on, that might be just something we have to like. That's a reality we have to deal with. Mm. Um, I see, I see a case where, especially in the defense, where Callum Chambers and Rob Holding get more of a shot because like I don't see Arteta looking at Mustafi and thinking that's the guy I'm going to build my defense around. So I think, like in regards to that, like for all the players that we have currently, one we're gonna have to just bite the bullet and like um, just see out the contract. Is that an ideal situation? Absolutely fucking not. Is it the reality that the mismanagement of Arsenal up to now has led to? Sadly, yes. So if we can't tell the player, then we're just gonna have to like you know wait out the contract and see. The downside to that, obviously, is like it puts a lot of pressure on Arteta because Arteta now is inevitably hamstrung before he's even had a chance to do anything, mm. which is unfortunate for him. But also, I kind of have to look at it and just go, if you're a manager and you decide to come to the clusterfuck that is Arsenal right now, <laughs> you kind of have to know where you were signing up for. <laughs> right? I, I'm an Arsenal fan, and if I was a manager and Arsenal came to me, I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to think on it. Like, I, 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 would, I would have second and third thoughts before I actually took the job. So if he took the job, that means one of two things. Either the management has made some promises that he feels they can keep, or it's a case of like the dream that Ram is selling <laughs> that there, there might be something that is going to just come out and that's how that's going to play out. Mm. So yeah, so I really do think like when it comes to getting rid of players, we're either going to have to just bite the bullet and deal with some really bad contracts. Or if not, if we're going to get rid of them, then we're going to get rid of them and just take the hit, take the loss. In regards to the Rams situation, I think the Rams situation was just a case of Unai Emery and I'm guessing by extension the board didn't know what they were doing there. Because Unai Emery, when he first came in, he made it very clear. He kept putting Ramsey in and out of the squad because he was like, when I remember when Unai Emery came and he gave this whole, oh, everyone's going to have to prove they can play. But then the, the, immediately the team got in trouble. Next thing you know, Ozil's back in the team. Next thing you know, Ramsey's back in the team. Mm. And I'm just kind of like, dude, that has got to be the most inconsistent. Like, if you're going to come in and you're going to say, I'm stamping my foot, uh, my, my, stamping my thing on the squad 
and this you need to stick it out. Like even if Arsenal were taking L's and losing games, he should have just like honestly, in my opinion, he should have stayed on message and just gone, yeah, they're not getting it. Mm. So I think there's a lot of mismanagement when it comes to the Aaron Ramsey thing. But it's just kind of like as an Arsenal fan, I'm not gonna lie, it's part of the course. You're looking at the team that saw that had a choice of trying to keep firstly, we had the stupidness of getting at the same time two of the highest or best players we had at the time in Sanchez and Ozil. And we put ourselves in a position where we were trying to renegotiate with them at the same time. Mm. We were never winning that. Yeah, we're never winning that battle. One of them had to go. And honestly, at the time, I was so annoyed that it was Sanchez that got the left. I would gladly have given up Ozil. I understand the player that Sanchez is. I know that keeping him in the squad, essentially, like every time he plays, the team pays the Sanchez tax, which is he's going to lose the ball sometimes and all that. But his end product was visible. I could see it. I could I could go from game to game and I knew what he brought to the table. Mm. With Ozil, I honestly can't tell you what he brings to the table. Like There are times when he does stuff and I'm just kind of like, wow, Like that's a flash of the guy that we got from Real Madrid. But on those days, I don't know, maybe he's in a good mood. And then the next day, he's just kind of like, you know what, I'm not turning up today. I'll take that 350 check, please. Thank you. And just bounce. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. So, yeah, with that, if we're losing players, we're losing them either because we managed to, like, uh, pass them on. If it means we're going to take out a couple of loans, I can see loans happening for some players, hopefully, and then we'll move them along. If not, we just buy the player for the contract. So if I told you that Arsenal would finish, let's say, pick a random number, seventh for the next yeah. three seasons, mm-hmm. would you would you take that given that that was kind of like a, a reset period? Honestly, I'd bite your hand off. Okay, okay. Honestly, like the main part of the reason why I think like even seventh is optimistic, really, is mm. because um, the like if we were left to our own devices to kind of rebuild in a vacuum, maybe we could do it faster. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is the amount of the amount of money that's involved in football right now, if you're not getting European football, you're going to be in trouble. And it's going to be very difficult for us to get European football for the next two, three seasons, mostly because based on the squad and based on the competition around us, because if you look at it now, Newcastle is an, another element that's going to come in and really mess up that top six dynamic yeah. add to the fact that right now Arsenal of the top six teams Arsenal pretty much all of the traditional top six teams Arsenal has one of the worst like courts and like situations on the ground because Chelsea's not stagnating United's not stagnating Liverpool's definitely not stagnating City's still up there Tottenham has to be given their props and then you take in teams like Wolves and Everton and Leicester and you just know that at this point it's not it's not what it was four or five seasons ago where there was just a definite top four and then we were just like swapping who came first, second, third and fourth. It's now a case where essentially going forward, especially for like next season, you'll see a case where the league gets so competitive that we essentially have, and we were going into an era where we can technically have a new top eight if certain teams maintain the momentum they currently have. And then that make, that makes like European football not guaranteed at all. So yeah. So where where do you think that Arsenal are going to be in the next two three seasons if you're biting my hand off for seventh? If um, I think we're just going to have to we're going to have to 
face the reality that we're going to have to do what Ben suggested, uh, like as a negative, whereas we're going to have to go and really depend on our scouting networks and really have to see how many players, how many more Martinelli's we can find, how many more Sackers we can push through our youth system and then give them like a give them and try our best to find like a competitive base that mm-hmm. makes Arsenal an appealing an appealing uh, spot for you to like increase your talent. So essentially I'm hoping that somehow, some way we can try, try and like manufacture and become like the English um, Ajax or the English Monaco or the English Dortmund, like those teams that really did kind of pull off a lot of like brought through a lot of new talent, sold them for good money, and then managed to just kind of like still maintain and kind of push forward. Mm. So like that's like that's the best I can hope. I'm under no illusions unless like unless there's um, like unless um, Ramon actually saw into the future and there's money coming, <laughs> then yeah, then at this point I'll buy, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take sixth or seventh, anything that that remotely guarantees that we at least get Europa, and then I'll just move from there really. Okay. Well, tying into that, mate, and as we run down towards the end of the episode, I guess the things coming up would be your first game back, right? On the 17th. Tying into Uh, how Arteta will do long-term, like, if we look at the short-term, you got Man City. um, Yeah. um, (laughs) Honestly, honestly, Ray, I'm going to say it. I think I said this in the group when when that fixture popped up, it was a moment of, it was just, a, it was such a fucked up moment here in the league was coming back because it was like, yay! And then I saw the description, I saw Man City and I was like, fuck! So, um, <laughs> What's your prediction, mate? What's your feeling? Um, honestly, you know, Kizzy, another person in the group for podcast listeners, Kizzy has this thing where he's always on about like, uh, mental steroids. And <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be one of those games where I think Arteta has has a lot to prove either because he's essentially going to be playing his mentor so it's going to be like i think he's he's good he has uh he has a point to prove to kind of go like uh to like show himself out of uh pep's shadow but to that end because i mean no matter how good the tactics are you still need the players to pull it off so i'm thinking i'm hoping a draw and when I say a draw, I'm talking. I'm talking a draw in any sense we can get it. <laughs> no. I don't. What's the last one? Ben and I just wetting ourselves here, but I'm just. <laughs> The confidence, like flat tone, just like yeah, a draw. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I cannot wait for the seventeenth. I take it that was a that was a laugh for that's not happening. <laughs> but like. Yes, 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 y
Man City are a machine. Like, at their best, Man City are just like, you don't, you just don't beat them, they just win. Like, at their best, like, you have to really take it to them. And I think with them effectively having had another pre-season, um, I just think they're going to win. Like, I can't see any way that Arsenal... You understand that when I said that, I literally said my hope is a draw, right? Your hope should be that you concede at max three. <laughs> At that point, that's not hope. That's just par for the course. So, <laughs> like, we've already considered three this season. Like, literally, they turned up, they beat us in the first half, and then they just, like, had a preseason game for the second half when it came to the Emirates. So, like, at this point, it's kind of like, that's that's where we're at. As, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a draw. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is that if you went down at midnight tonight to a crossroads, and you sacrificed a goat to try and get a draw at Man City, all you would hear is the spirits laughing as loudly as I did. <laughs> Just being like, no, ask for something else. <laughs> ask for a sports car, a million dollars or something. <laughs> Look, I see, at, at that point, in that regard, in whichever way it is, I'm still winning, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I I I I, I take that. Oh man! <laughs> from from all Premier League supporters, apart from City fans, I do wish you the very best of luck. I really do. Thank you. I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> no, but I would love it if you beat City because that opens up a bigger point gap. Like that gets our season wrapped up quicker. But let, let, let's not go crazy. I, <laughs> I, I think it's one of those magical things. It's like a free hit, isn't it? Like. If yeah. you do get take points away from Man City, it's good for everybody else. And if you don't, then they get to laugh again. So <laughs> it's a it's a win win for the neutral, right? There you go. <laughs> and on that bombshell, I don't think we can come back from that one. I think that might need to be a an episode done. <laughs> uh, boys, thank you very much for your conversation, your views as ever. Um, it's a pleasure. Thank you, man. We will be back next time with our official bandit football fans podcast and uh if you're listening we'll see you then thank you very much for all your support please get back to us with any feedback you've got um and enjoy the return of football along with us here with bandits thank you very much cheers lads have a good night nice one cheers You know, you have that tone, like everybody has that own tone when they're saying something and they're kind of like half trying to convince themselves at the same time. I would have expected that, but no, it's like a draw, like so, like there, just take it, a draw. It's like that's it, it's done. Oh, oh mate, that will give me jokes for the rest of the night. Then at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was good. Need to work out how to turn the show off now. <laughs> Click the big red button. Yeah, got it. Right. See you later. Mate. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>